Welcome to the She Who Overcomes podcast. I'm Mandy B. Anderson, and a few years ago, I started a life and business coaching company with my bestie. I'm a wife, a business owner, a coach, a speaker, and the author of the book that inspired this podcast, She Who Overcomes, Rising Out of the Ashes of Your Circumstances. I'm also training to run my first half marathon. Oh, and did I mention I'm doing all of this while overcoming a life-threatening illness called cystic fibrosis? It's true. And hey, if I can rise up, so can you. Each week on this podcast, I'll be here to encourage and equip you with the skills you need to rise up as the successful overcomer you were designed to be. So grab your coffee and let's hang out. Welcome to episode three of the She Who Overcomes podcast. Today, I'm reading to you from chapter two of my book, She Who Overcomes. This chapter is called She Endures Suffering, How to Persist When Suffering. The following is a journal entry from October 12th, 2010 at 4.30 a.m. Brown. Any other day, I would choose an orange, pink, green, or even blue pen, but today it's brown. It symbolizes the dust, what I'm made of, brown. Yesterday, God stripped me of every earthly belonging except what I brought with me to work. As I drove down the street toward my apartment building, I prayed that God would only save one thing for me, Ajabi. And as I saw the thick black smoke rising and the dark orange flames devouring the center of our building, I sensed that I would never see Aja again. I experienced every emotion known to man tonight in the period of five hours. Fear, panic, extreme hopelessness and despair, thankfulness that Nate was okay, Heartbreaking agony as I pondered Aja's last moments. Thankfulness that God gave her to me for six and a half years. Regret over how I neglected her at times, and even shame over my selfishness at times. Grief. Laughter. Overwhelming gratitude toward the people reaching out to us. And a sense of peace as Nate and I thanked God for our safety and prayed for everyone else in our building. And then, joy. Extreme joy. At 12.15 a.m., we received a phone call from someone at the Red Cross saying that Aja had been found and she was okay. And she is okay. We are at the Staybridge Suites right now, room 135. I'm emotionally exhausted, and I haven't been able to sleep, but I needed to get this all out. This is the only journal I have now, and there's something freeing about that. My past is gone, all the memories, all the thoughts written down, gone. So now we rebuild. We can replace the stuff. After all, it is just stuff. It doesn't define me. It's not who I am. My soul finds rest in Christ alone. I know that my God, Jehovah Jireh, 
will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I know that nothing is too hard for God Almighty. We literally have nothing. We are homeless, though sheltered. God, give me grace to walk this path. Your name will be glorified in all of this. Lord, give Nate grace, wisdom, and strength. Help me to uplift him. Thank you, Lord, for your miracles tonight. That's the end of the journal entry. Here's what I want to tell you next. Life gets messy. In that messy pile of ashes, we hurt. It's painful. However, it is a biblical truth that becoming an overcomer requires varying degrees of suffering. We would be silly to believe that we are exempt from it. In Revelation 2, 8-11, we are introduced to a church in Smyrna. And this church knows a thing or two about suffering. Let's take a peek. It says, To the angel of the church in Smyrna, Write this. These are the words of him who is the first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know about the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. That's from Revelation 2, 8-11, the NIV version. Reading these verses, it becomes undeniably apparent that there are varying degrees of suffering. Mentioned in this short passage are things like pain, both physical and emotional, poverty, struggle, a fear of suffering, and a fear of death. Go read it for yourself and see if you can identify those. Physical and emotional pain show up in many ways in our lives today. The most common ways are through anxiety and panic attacks. Depression, anxiety, and panic attacks are twice as likely to happen to women as they are to men. Maybe you can relate to the feeling of your heart racing, your breath shortening, and your mind drowning in fear as a panic attack takes over your body. I know I certainly can. My first panic attack happened in the dark stairwell of our apartment. It was seven days after the fire, and we were finally allowed to go back inside the remains of our home so we could see if anything could be salvaged. The ashes made the steps slippery, and we had to wear white paper masks over our mouths in order to protect our lungs from breathing in the harmful residue of the ashes. It made it harder for me to breathe, and the darkness of the stairwell mirrored the shade of fear that was rising up in my heart. My mind reeled with questions like, What will we see at the top of the steps? How many ashes will be piled up representing our lives? Would we even be able to recognize anything? 
As I wrestled with these thoughts running wild in my mind, my whole body began to respond in fear and panic. I began to gasp for air. My heart felt like it was going to burst and the stairwell was spinning. Nate helped calm me down by talking to me in a soft, monotone voice, reminding me to just breathe. I wiped away the tears that had spilled onto my cheeks and took deep breaths, focusing only on the next inhale and exhale. When we first see the ashes, our minds travel through a frenzy of bad memories. We question how it got to this point. We feel insecure, threatened, and unsafe. Rarely do we stop to see the sprouts within the ashes, the richness that is growing because of them. It seems quite impossible to even find anything good because we are too busy learning how to endure the suffering of the moment. What speaks to me the most from the passage in Revelation 2, 8-11 through 11, about suffering is that even though there is struggle, there is also hope. Did you pick up on that too? The message version of this passage says, Don't quit, even if it costs you your life. Stay there believing. I have a life crown sized and ready for you. As I stood there in the stairwell experiencing my first panic attack, I was faced with a choice. I could keep indulging in the thoughts that had manifested more fear, or I could choose to believe that God was doing something in the midst of all of this pain. With each step forward, I began to remind myself that God was in control. After all, he had already provided a miracle by saving Ajabi. Maybe we would experience more miracles at the top of these stairs. Maybe there were some sprouts within the ashes, and I just had to look for them. We made it to the doorway of our apartment, and as we crossed the threshold, we stopped in our tracks. Debris was everywhere. Our eyes scanned the rooms before us as we tried to identify what we were even looking at. Was that the kitchen? Or the dining room? Or was it both, now thrown together in a mess of unrecognizable lumber? It was hard to make sense of the utter chaos. Yet, right in the midst of the debris, of ashes and wood, standing against a wall that was still intact, stood the marker board I had written on the morning of the fire. We had several of these marker boards in our home, and this was the only one that withstood the flames. Not only that, but the bright words were still readable. And on that day, we were greeted with the following Bible verse written in fluorescent ink. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19 The first sprout had been sighted. It was a beautiful reminder of how God was carrying us through this season of suffering. God also provided other answers to our prayers that day as we rummaged through the ruins. Nate's wedding ring was found without a scratch on it. It had been nestled safely in my jewelry case, and we found it right before we left the Galleria for the final time. 
All in all, God returned the two things we wanted most from this painful experience. Our precious Ajabi and Nate's wedding ring. The marker board with his promises on it was simply an added gift to help us through the tough times that were ahead. We all have seasons of suffering in our lives. Maybe there is one that comes to your mind right now. Maybe you are still in it and you can identify with some of the feelings I went through as you hear my story. I don't know what's happening in your life today, my friend, but I do know that going through the suffering and choosing to overcome it with God's help is better than hiding from it. When we read or hear Revelation 2, 8-11, through 11, it can be intimidating, especially when we read things like the message version that reminds us to stay there believing, don't quit. The last thing we want to do during suffering is to stay there. It's hard enough to believe, but to not quit? Even if it costs me my life? These verses seem a little dangerous at first glance. Risky, even. Believe me, I know. I get it. When I read them a few months after the fire, I didn't understand their full meaning. I was completely oblivious to the season of suffering I was still walking through. But I held tight to them anyway. What I've come to realize is that overcomers embrace painful situations differently than most people. Overcomers willingly endure suffering because they recognize its purpose. They understand that skipping the season of suffering would be more detrimental to their lives than the suffering itself. Pain, poverty, struggle, all forms of suffering produce faith. They produce perseverance if we let them. That's the key. A true overcomer will go through the process of refinement no matter how uncomfortable. My season of becoming an overcomer started the day our apartment went up in flames. A few years later, in May 2012, I stood in front of the mirror in my hospital room and was shocked at the face staring back at me. Hollow eyes, pale skin, sunken cheeks. Those were not the features I had learned to love, yet they were mine. They reminded me of how a friend of mine with cystic fibrosis looked right before he died a few years earlier. They looked like death. I looked like death. In that moment, I understood the words of John in Revelation. Be faithful, even to the point of death. During a season of trusting God and walking by faith, my body had experienced sickness because of cystic fibrosis. I will go deeper into the lessons I learned from this process in chapter 8. But for now, I will tell you that God had given me a season of divine health for a period of two years. I was able to do things without medicine that I should not have been able to do, like run, and I had more energy. Even my doctors were astounded and confused by it. It was exciting and thrilling, and I experienced God's healing power in ways I never had before. However, as that season was nearing its end, 
I was afraid. Let me clarify. I was not afraid of dying, although others around me were scared for me. No, I was afraid of not following God's command. I was afraid of giving up because the path he had asked me to walk by faith was too hard. I was afraid of missing my calling because I wasn't strong enough to endure. But staring at my frail reflection, I realized I had already been faithful even to the point of death. Nobody was threatening to physically kill me, but the disease in my body sure was trying its hardest to take me out. In that moment, I made a choice. Nothing could ever stop me from glorifying Jesus. I was going to trust Him and praise Him, even when things did not turn out the way I had planned. Shortly after I made that choice, my health was restored and that season of suffering was over. What resulted was a stronger faith, boldness, confidence, and a deeper desire to persevere no matter what. God's promises rang true in my life, and I'm better for it. How to persist during suffering? Stay there believing. Everything within us will tell us not to, yet that is exactly what we must do. We must stay there and face it, while believing that God is doing something in the midst of it. Let's take a look at this passage in Revelation one more time. Only this time, I'm going to read it to you from the message version. Write this to Smyrna, to the angel of the church, the beginning and ending, the first and final one, the once dead and then come alive, speaks. I can see your pain and poverty, constant pain, dire poverty, but I also see your wealth. And I hear the lie in the claims of those who pretend to be good Jews, who in fact belong to Satan's crowd. Fear nothing in the things you're about to suffer, but stay on guard. Fear nothing. The devil is about to throw you in jail for a time of testing. Ten days. It won't last forever. Don't quit, even if it costs you your life. Stay there believing. I have a life crown sized and ready for you. Are your ears awake? Listen. Listen to the wind words, the spirit blowing through the churches. Christ conquerors are safe from devil death. Revelation 2, 8-11, through the message version. This version of Revelation shows us different forms of suffering. It also uncovers something else that is a little easier to understand than in the NIV version. If you listen closely, it gives us two tools to help us overcome in the midst of suffering. It's basically a how-to on persisting during suffering. Number one, be brave. Notice that God does not say, fear nothing for you will not suffer. No. He says, fear nothing in the things you are about to suffer. What he is really saying here is be brave. According to dictionary.com, the word brave 
means possessing or exhibiting courage or courageous endurance. It takes bravery and endurance to wake up and face suffering every day. Moving forward out of the ashes of your circumstances in life is never easy. Many days, we will feel like crawling back into bed and hiding beneath the covers. Many days, we will want to drown our feelings in chocolate and lattes. Many days, we will long for what used to be. If you happen to be walking through those days right now, I want you to know that you're not alone. These are all normal feelings. And I fully believe that God has a purpose for those days of mourning what was. But sooner or later, there comes a time to be brave. Be brave when you are faced with memories of what used to be and your heart begins to crack under the pressure of it all. Face it. Admit it. Remember what was, but also look for the lesson that was there. Thank God for those moments, and then let it fuel you to keep going towards something better. Be brave in the face of sickness and disease. Face it. Admit it. Admit when it hurts, but don't stay there dwelling on the pain. Put on your warrior face and do everything you can to get better while praising God in the midst of it. Be brave in the face of financial uncertainty. Face it. Admit where you went wrong. Face the consequences and move forward onto a new, better path. Let this situation be your stake in the ground to never again make the same mistakes. Be brave. Be real. Believe that God has a purpose for this season of your life. Overcomers face seasons of suffering knowing that it is healthy to mourn. They also know that it is imperative to courageously endure knowing that there will come a day when the sun will shine again. Bravery does not mean that we never feel pain. It means we get vulnerable with ourselves to both feel it and admit that it is there. Once we do that, we can begin to move forward. Number two is to walk by faith. In this passage from Revelation, we are also told to be faithful. In order to fully understand what it means to walk by faith, we must establish a solid foundation of what the word faith really means. Faith can be defined as believing in something even when there is no proof. Many of us walk around professing that we are walking by faith, yet We cower in fear over our finances, our health, our marriage, what have you. That is not faith. Faith can identify fear as a feeling and nothing else. It does not waver in the face of fear, and it is not controlled by fear. Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is being sure of what we hope for and confident of what we do not see. Faith is a choice. Just as speaking God's written words of life and truth is a choice. I've come to learn that the journey of walking by faith is an ebb and flow. Sometimes it comes easily. Other times it is the hardest thing we will ever have to do. 
But no matter what, faith is always rewarding. But you must choose it. When you are struggling with your health and you are tempted to believe the lies that you will never get better, choose to walk by faith. Remind yourself that God promises to carry you, sustain you, and rescue you even to your old age and gray hair. When you are drowning in debt and financial freedom seems about as real as a unicorn, choose to walk by faith. Seek out wise financial counsel and make the sacrifices needed to get on the right track. Put your faith in action by doing what you can while you pray. When you are stuck with depression and your world is unraveling in darkness and loneliness, my friend, choose to walk by faith. Believe that God is doing something through this season and that the sun will shine again. If necessary, seek out medical intervention for a season while you take steps to also improve your physical health with better nutrition and exercise. Resolve to rise up out of the darkness. And when you are waiting for a dream to be fulfilled, but it feels so far away, choose to walk by faith. Ask God for wisdom and guidance as you gain the skills needed for the dream to come to fruition. Walking by faith does not mean that you pretend to not see all of the problems. It does not mean that you ignore the ashes. No. It means seeing them and choosing to believe that things will get better even when there is no proof. Believe that this too shall pass because God's word trumps all. His promises are always true, even if they don't manifest in the way that you think they will. Ashes are rich potting soil for future beauty. In every season of suffering, there is something to be learned. The day my feet touched the ashes of our old life, the only sprout I could see was the marker board, reminding me of God's truth. As my eyes scanned over the remains of our busted and burned furniture, my heart put up a shield that protected me from the pain. It was all too much to take in. The cathedral ceiling that once provided a beautiful backdrop for the morning sunshine was gone. In its place was nothing but busted-out framework and a gray sky. I walked over to the place where one of our armchairs once stood and realized that I was now standing on all of it. My fingers dug through the pile of ashes beneath my feet, searching for a piece of fabric from my favorite blanket, a beautiful handmade patchwork of jeans, and hand-painted pictures with my name on it. Grandma Agnes had made it for me out of her own jeans and gave it to me at my high school graduation. She had passed away the year before, and I had hoped to cherish that blanket for years to come. I never found any remaining piece of it. My heart still grieves over that blanket. Yet, even in those times of delayed grief that catch up with me from time to time— God is still teaching me something. That He is always here for me. He is always here with me. He knows my hurt. He understands those moments when I just need to take a time out because the memories of what used to be 
are too heavy for my heart. He is always there to wipe away my tears and grieve with me. He doesn't like to allow pain to happen to his children, but he understands the purpose of the suffering. He sees the end of the story and he knows that each chapter is important, even the chapters filled with ashes and suffering, especially those chapters. I have come to understand that enduring the suffering is never about us. It's about him. It's about the lessons he wants to teach us so that his purpose can manifest in our lives. So we can become all that he has dreamed us to be. Allow me to take a moment and play life coach with you. Could it be, my friend, that God is trying to teach you something as you endure this suffering? Is it possible that on the other side of this trial, you will be stronger because of this suffering? Could it be that he has a precious gift for you in the midst of it all? If you haven't figured out the answer yet, It is a definite yes. Sometimes that gift is there for you to share with others. But often that gift is just for you. A precious package with your name on it, hand-delivered from the creator of the universe. And on this package, that right now looks like garbage, is a love note. A love note just for you. And here's what it says. As I read this love note to you, put your name where I say my name. Dear Mandy, I see your pain today, and I'm so sorry for your heartache. Even though it might not feel like it, I'm right beside you, carrying you through and sustaining you in the hard days. I didn't make you sick. I didn't force this disaster on you. It was never my intention for you to struggle when I formed you in your mother's womb. However, I did design you with a plan in mind. I gave you a positive attitude to help you overcome the obstacles you would surely face during your time on Earth. I made you beautiful. The shape and color of your eyes, the color of your skin, your height, your weight, your hair, your cheekbones, your toes, your voice. Everything about you was designed beautifully in my image. And I love to look at you, for you are marvelously and wonderfully made. I gave you a smile that lights up a room and cheers others up. Oh, how my heart melts when I see your smile. I gave you a desire to seek out truth and authenticity so you could live freely. I designed you with talents and abilities to share with the world around you. People need you. Don't belittle these precious talents and dreams I have placed within you. They are good enough in my sight. I gave you a brain with the capacity to learn and apply new skills to help you make better choices and to live a healthier, vibrant life. I designed you with a faith that can move mountains. It is already in you, waiting to be activated. All these things were knit into you from the beginning of time. When I formed you, 
and saw how beautiful your life would be? Sickness and suffering were not a part of it. Pain was not a part of that picture. Because of sin, there are things in this world that you will never understand. Yet all of these characteristics that I designed you with will help you overcome any circumstance that you face, whether it is sickness, heartache, loss, or pain. I designed you to be an overcomer. You already have the traits you will need to help along the way. So look for the sprouts within the ashes. They are popping up left and right if you just take a moment to uncover them. Hidden within this suffering is a precious lesson that you would not learn any other way. Seek after me through it all. Hang on to me with all your might. I am here and I will never leave you. And one more thing. I am so very proud of you. Love, God. Look for the sprouts in the ashes, my friend. I give you permission to type out that letter I just read to you and to put your name on it. Post it in your room. Post it someplace that you can see it. It might encourage you on the days where you need it most. You have been given the courage to endure this suffering. Don't quit. Stay there believing. Be brave and walk by faith. Oh yeah, and remember to look for the sprouts in the rich soil that these ashes provide. We will be back with another episode for you next week. For now, if you would take a moment and write a review or subscribe to the podcast, that means the world to those of us who work so hard to produce every single episode. For more information, go to BigBlueCouchCoaching.com or find me on Facebook and Instagram under Big Blue Couch Coaching. A shout out to my hubby, Mr. Nate Anderson, for editing this podcast. And most importantly, I hope that you found something today that gave you the courage to rise up and overcome that thing that you've been facing. You're stronger than you think. I'll see you next week.